So, you know, I've been sending myself notes throughout the week, and one of the notes was basically event dot 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 question mark cyber polygon economic collapse CBDC. Okay. Um, so. I'm looking at, you know, various things here. War, uh, catastrophic contagion. Uh, There's a bunch of chatter about all these banks already. So up on Henry Macau's site, March 5th, Bank run at Credit Suisse, Lehman redo, or, you know. So people are saying that um, a ton of people have withdrawn like $100 billion out of um, Credit Suisse. And the, the questions asked are banks going to fall like dominoes? Um, and, and various things, you know. Banks with exposures to international borrowers like Evergrande, they have to set aside huge allocations for loan losses. Um, 
total China real estate developers with an international loan repayments are about 53 billion. Then look at Blackstone, who defaulted 500 million, 580 million on a Manhattan building at 40 percent vacancy. I mean, it gets into all this stuff. Um, Los Angeles buildings, 783 in mortgages, Brookfield. PIMCO defaulting on $1.7 billion. Um, you know, the economic collapse. You remember 2008 with the TARP bailouts and congressmen basically blowing the whistle on Henry Paulson saying that we're going to have martial law and troops in the streets if they didn't sign off on this TARP stuff and good old gangster freaking Bush family in at that time. So something that I don't know what the event is going to be the catalyst, but then they're probably going to run the cyber polygon have a bunch of banks go in and collapse and then everybody's pensions and 401ks, Roth IRAs and all that stuff. They're going to tell you, <clears throat> you've got to enter through this portal now to access any of it. And so there's this uh, big zero hedge article um, up today. It's called Biden's executive order nightmare. Government will track every dime you spend. And, uh, Executive order with the innocuous number 14067 and its title, Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets. We've kind of covered this, touched on it numerous times. Um, in the 21st century, where, where, where cryptocurrency and cybercrime are now embedded threats to our collective financial security, this executive order would seem to address these issues. Um, in fact, this order includes language allows the Federal Reserve System to explore the possibility of introducing digital currency into the United States. This means that your cash becomes so much colored paper that would not be the only catastrophic impact on our society and the nation's economy. Under this new digital currency, any transfer of funds to, to family, friends, charities, or clients would be able to be tracked by the nation's central bank that issued this virtual money. Big Brother will be in your wallet every hour of every day. You won't be able to buy a stick of gum without a Federal Reserve computer knowing where, when, and to whom you just put down a buck. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this as I've as you read this. Um, and you, this will probably, there could be some, unintended positives that develop because people are going to finally or at least a decent amount of people are going to finally see that this is you know one of those final straws onto the camel's back and it's going to force many to completely change behaviors it's going to completely force many of us to get off our duffs completely and start really building the necessary infrastructure outside of the system uh, to live. 
And the thing we have to worry about is how draconian the financial controllers, the IRS and so forth, they just hired their little 87,000 new agents, allegedly. Um, you know, um, apologists for the White House insist that the executive order does not implement digital currency or give Washington the power to control. It. We'll have to see how this Republican House acts, this this very slight majority in the House of Representatives acts. Assuming that's true, what it does accomplish is to introduce the possibility of even considering a currency move so radical, so profound, so disruptive that it makes George Orwell's 1984 nightmare novel a day in the park. Remember that guy just recently at the World Economic Forum talked in, talking about disruptive change. We need something, you know, very, very distinct, you know. And, you know, you had Schwab talking about this cut. It'd be so deep uh, that it, you know, never going to, you know, go back to any kind of old system, blah, 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 blah. We should be rightfully concerned about inflation, energy independence, aggressor nations armed with nuclear weapons and woke public policies that denigrate the very foundation of this great country. Um, but these are. And he's using boxing terminology, jabs compared to the enormous destructive power of a digital currency option slipped into Executive Order 14067. So there's they've got an event, another event planned. Um, you know, looking at this, this situation in Ohio and another train just went off the freaking – in, in another city in, in Ohio, and you 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 know you dig into this um, kind of strange uh, brew of you know like what got dumped into these drains right at the at this 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 uh, juncture where they had this um so jim stone says this i told you so this was something i nailed totally accurately from the beginning when no one else was reporting if you want to read today's news go back to what i posted weeks ago it had to play out that way it had to and i'm not going to repeat myself by saying what is happening now one thing i did not know weeks ago however was this attack was planned at least eight months ago and is easily proven. Um, Tim Truth found something exactly, absolutely damning, that eight months ago a highly flammable rail car was parked on a side spur and left to z sit exactly where the derailment happened, and it went up in flames when the government intentionally lit the fires. The derailment was not a crash and burn. It was a crash with one car leaking and no flames at all until our own government intentionally blew up all the rail cars that had the toxic stuff, plus lit the rail car that had been parked there for eight months. That was not on any cargo manifest. What was in it, and why on earth did the government light that one on fire too? It was still sitting there fine. Nothing hit it at all, but it was close enough to the derailment to look like it was part of it. Additionally, that car was parked immediately by drain pipes, 
that took the leaking materials and dumped them straight into a nearby reservoir that drained into waterways that led all the way to the Mississippi, thus making the disaster exponentially worse. That did not happen by chance. Those were the only such drain pipes for miles and miles, and they were right in the middle of the action, and that car was parked perfectly aligned with them. There's no way that was a coincidence. Um, you know, very, very crazy. Um, and then he also talks about Project Lazarus genocide cover-up. There's a rumor going around supposedly started by a Facebook engineer who claims a new AI is in the final stages and its sole purpose is to cover up genocide. This new AI... AI tracks the style and frequency of posts from users, so when they vanish, it can auto-generate new posts that make the person indistinguishably look like they are still alive, including aging, education, progression, the whole nine yards. So basically saying, I guess, the the Vax deaths, the 5G deaths, uh, I guess the poisoning now uh, deaths, who, you know, who knows what they're doing to the food supply. Uh, you know, everybody's saying there's graphene and everything and so forth. Think about it. For what other reason would Facebook want to fake and obscure the fact that account users have vanished? Sure, you could say it's all economics and fake accounts might be possible to convert to cash, but if fake is all they want, they would not need to go through all the trouble of imitating real people. It would be easier to simply fake up new members from scratch. In fact, it would be a lot easier to simply generate entirely fake people than have to deal with millions of families saying, how is my deceased loved one still posting? Unless that won't be an issue because entire circles of association are to be wiped out like the communists in Russia did it. After the Bolshevik Revolution, Russian communists managed the vanishing of people by killing entire families and all associates, so no one asked questions. This obviously took <clears throat> a lot of work because they had to figure out how to delete people by killing everyone without making the obvious while still maintaining a population that could carry forward. Nowadays, AI is going to assist in carrying out such a program with precision, and it would be easy to do because nowadays all people do is flick their phones. They, outside of work, don't actually know anyone face-to-face. -face. An AI, which studied them constantly, can just keep right on posting and maintaining relationships without the disappearance ever being noticed. An AI can also manage family communication, so meeting face-to-face -face at Christmas can be delayed forever. <clears throat> well, it's, that's an interesting kind of theory, and I thought I would read that now that I've got this... Um, Another article here, The New American. Lawmaker warns Congress doesn't understand the risks of AI. Okay. Um, humanity has a tendency to not want to acknowledge a problem until it's too late. This is especially true with the cr things of our creation, like Dr. Frankenstein, the original Mary Shelley novel. We're so often far too enthralled in the rush of playing God that we remain blind to the consequences until the hideous reality hits us in the face. And then by then it's too late. Will this be the case with AI, artificial intelligence? At least at last, some voices in the corridors of government are beginning to acknowledge that the rapid growth of AI while creating many potential net benefits for humanity can also come with many dangers that might prove catastrophic if not accounted for early. Now, Last week, I played that whole thing where 
it seemed like a real demon in the chat GPT talking with that, that Christian pastor type dude and his kid and all that. Um, uh, now this is Jay Obernolte, Republican California. You'd be surprised how much time I spent explaining to my colleagues that the chief dangers of AI will not come from evil robots with red lasers come out of their eyes. Um, those are the words of, uh, and he's the only member of Congress with a master's degree in artificial intelligence who spoke with the New York Times about the potential dangers of AI and the need for lawmakers to take action. Obernolte further told the outlet, before regulation, there needs to be agreement on what the dangers are, and that requires a deep understanding of what AI is. Um, but the California Republican laments that his colleagues have not arrived at that agreement. Politicians of Capitol Hill have been quick to point out their own knowledge deficiencies when it comes to AI. Um, as an ABC News report from last month noticed, Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin called it very worrisome. And he's got a lot to learn about what's going on. Old Rick, Richard Blumenthal called AI new terrain in our uncharted territory. You know, if you've been listening to any of the conspiratorial talk radio people, I mean, I remember listening to Alex Jones probably 15 years ago um, where he would have guests on, you know, like AJ or not. He, he He's always had some pretty killer guests. And this is, I can remember this was, I don't know how many years ago where this dude was a, like an artificial intelligence kind of expert doctor. And he was really worried about quarantining this, whatever this is, whether you believe it's a demonic force, whether you believe it is actually a program that some, you know, computer whizzes um, set in motion. And then this thing becomes uh, sentient or not or whatever. Uh, but to break out of its quarantine, and I remember hearing that 15 years ago. Um, let's see. An AI arms race has begun. Um, artificial intelligence has burst on the scene, threatening to disrupt the American education system and the economy. After last fall's surprise launch of OpenAI's ChatGPT, millions of curious users experimented with the budding technology. I mean, think about Alexa and Siri and all this other crap, too. Asking the chatbot to write poetry, rap songs, recipes, resumes, essays, computer code, and marketing plans. Um, so the question now being presented is what approach will the federal government take? Will it largely step back as it did with big tech or will it intervene early on while AI's exponential capabilities are still nascent? Um, you know, I, unfortunately, like I said, numerous times, um, the concerns regarding AI involve not only escapable fact that it will replace humans in the workforce, but it will develop sentience and eventually break free from human control and perhaps even become the one to control humanity. Matrix, Terminator, all that. And then you got you really have to worry about the people that originally put this into motion and, and – you know, if this thing becomes genocidal, 
okay, democidal, you know, especially if it takes over the government, it becomes the government, the, the weapon systems and, you know, let's just say you've already got these Boston dynamic robots, these dogs and all this running around. And then if you have this thing break out of quarantine and this thing starts creating these machines to kill and control humans like you saw in the matrix and, and, and Terminator, you know, it's, it's fascinating that these movies are 20 and 30 years old. And then the lessons learned, uh, nobody, I guess heeded those lessons or this was all an operation from the beginning to bring this forth. And this was just a desensitate, you know, desensitization operation uh, to really mind screw us because, you know, we're the dumb, you know, plebs out here in society. And we can see the lessons from the Matrix and Terminator and so forth. But yet our so-called elites, the goofballs running the Pentagon and so forth, um, you know, my thing is this, if we stopped. Let's say we had a change of heart and we had a glorious leader, Trump, coming back in. And he's got all these dreams for these federal cities now and a quantum leap in our standard of living. You know, it's like, dude, you're going to do that for the presidency? Is that really what your job is? Or is your job just to supposedly to um, execute the laws passed by the legislature? I mean, Trump. The, you, let's listen to a little bit of Trump. Um, and let uh, Mr. Producer get clip ten ready. Now this is just him talking about how he's not controlled and all this crap. And it's only a minute long. And I'm sure many of you have heard this CPAC speech. When now he's sixty-two percent of the people at CPAC, you know, voted for Trump. Even though Steve Bannon and all these people that are at CPAC, you know, Steve Bannon has on Dr. McCullough, Naomi Wolf, and all these people talking about the vaccines are a bioweapon. But yet you you want to put the guy that that you know uh, was in charge during Operation Warp Speed right back in. And not that DeSantis would be any better. We know he's like a JAG lawyer. He's a military officer. Uh, now, how tied in is he with the DARPA crowd and so forth? I mean, he's playing a good game with thus far with Florida, but then you've got these bills being introduced, uh, anti-Semitism crap, and then the uh, – the bloggers have to register with the state of Florida and all this weird stuff. You're just like, what? But go ahead and roll clip 10. Our enemies are <laughs> lunatics and maniacs. They cannot stand that they do not own me. I don't need them. I don't need anything about them. I don't need their money. They cannot steer me. They cannot shake me. And they will never, ever control me. And they will never, ever, therefore, control you. At the end of the day, anyone else will be intimidated, bought off, blackmailed, or ripped to shreds. I alone will never retreat, and that is why we must stand together and me with charge. We have to charge full speed ahead. You know, I had a beautiful life before I did this. 
I lived in luxury. I had everything. And, you know, that that goes back to the kind of the Q crowd that says, you know, Trump, he got asked to run and so forth by the the Q team and and so forth, uh, military intelligence, you know, and so forth. Um, now, Trump did have a good life before he got involved in politics, and he probably has lost a lot of money, but... It, is he raking any money from Big Pharma for running warp speed? Uh, we don't know. <clears throat> but, you know, he's, he's you know, I, I played that stuff about him wanting the death penalty for the drug dealers and all that. And, you know, uh, there's another article from the New American. Trump's futuristic quantum leap plan captivates and raises questions through both his private sector career and his time in politics. Donald Trump has earned a reputation for thinking big or big league. While not all of the Donald's visionary ideas have come to pass. The 45th president doesn't let that deter him from continuing to push the envelope, taking things with an aim for the moon. So you land among the stars attitude with the 2024 election amping up and likely primary challenge from popular Republican governor Ron DeSantis on the horizon. Uh, they were, you know, he, he went out there to California, the Reagan library and somebody painted Ron to fascist on, with spray paint, some, some Antifa types, probably some LGBTQ nuts. Trump finds himself faced with the need to draft a platform that will not only distinguish him within the GOP field, but also provide general election voters with a reason to give him another shot in the White House over Biden. To that end, Trump's quantum leap proposal is certainly heavy on the kind of bold ideas he's known for, with plenty of imagery to capture the public's imagination, even while it raises many questions about the constitutionality and viability of such a plan. And so quantum leap in our standard of living in his announcement of the plan, Trump said it would include building futuristic cities known as freedom cities on federal land, equipping these cities with air mobility via vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, revitalizing American industry by cutting off Chinese imports, encouraging families by offering baby bonuses and leading a nationwide beautification campaign. Sounds very dictator-esque doesn't it um okay so why do we need to build new cities on federal land now don't we have enough cities our cities are husks they are bombed out wastelands wouldn't we need to tackle those problems and say okay what is causing these cities to dilapidate to go into this downward spiral so you're going to build new ones that's this you know i've always and i'm a and i'm relatively like a you could say i i i like the environment i'm not i'm not a you know a tree hugger type but i'm like look i i prefer a uh, to leave something for the future the, you know, these some of these people are like, yeah, let's just destroy all this land and then build on it. While you've already built on all this land in this in our cities now, 
that uh, are sitting around with feces and needles and drug addicts. You know, my thing is, how about revitalization? And then if and if you have to do ruthless things to revitalize, then you have to do ruthless things. But to go ahead and mess around with perfectly good forest lands and so forth and so on um, to build freedom cities, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm sorry, but uh, that's nuts. Past generation of Americans pursued big dreams and daring projects that once seemed absolutely impossible. They pushed across an unsettled continent and built new cities in the wild frontier. They transformed American life with the interstate highway system. Magnificent it was. And they launched a vast network of satellites into orbital, blah, 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 blah. But today our country's lost its boldness. Under my leadership, we will get back in a very big way. If you just look at three years ago, what we were doing was unthinkable. How good it was, blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> my thing is, you know, I watch some of these these uh, YouTubers that they vlog all over, like, patches of abandoned towns all over the place. And why, you know, I just don't understand. We've got towns that are already here that are sitting there dormant. But yet, you you know, you want, oh, freedom cities on federal lands. What is that? All right, we'll see you guys on the other side. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. 
With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at libertystickers.com. Again, that's libertystickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Network. You know, I had something else in my notes. This blue state, quote unquote, blue state exodus into these red states. Um, and uh, what's happening? You know, it's a, it's a really, it's almost like a illegal alien invasion if you think about it it's there's parallels there so but they're doing it as a way to infiltrate and take over so think about california it's going to be a one-party system i guess you know think about these one-party system states where the democrats run everything and they're running the state into the ground but then they send – it's like they create the, the you know, conditions that are so bad that a lot of people, even the, with the same ideology as them, have to leave. And what, what the ultimate plan is for a place like California you know, remains to be seen. But keep your eyes on the Chinese and keep your eyes on – these uh, real estate grifters uh, look at this snowstorm up here where all these people are in big trouble up there in the San Bernardino mountains and so forth. Um, some of these people are, you know, they're, they're going to die. They're going to, you know, move whatever. 
Um, but they export these Marxists to infiltrate and run as conservatives in these red areas. Look at Maricopa County. All of these rhinos who are basically crypto-Democrats, right? And so, and I've said this since I've gotten on the air. There has to be a movement of people. And I've got this. This is from thoughtco.com. This is from 2019. What is a blue dog Democrat? Okay, member of Congress who is moderate on or more conservative in their voting record and political philosophy than other more liberal and I would say Marxist Democrats in the House and Senate. The blue dog Democrat, however, has become an increasingly rare breed in American politics as voters and elected officials become more partisan and polarized. Specifically, the ranks of the blue dog Democrat fell dramatically beginning in 2010. Right. Barack Obama comes in and then boom the marxists take over uh, as the partisan divide between republicans and democrats grew wider two members lost their primary races in election 2012 to more liberal democrats the history of the name um the Blue Dog Coalition said of its name, the name Blue Dog originates from the longtime tradition referring to a strong Democratic Party supporter as being a yellow dog Democrat who would vote for a yellow dog if it was listed on the ballot as a Democrat. Leading up to the 1994 election, the founding members of the Blue Dogs felt that they had been choked blue by the extremes of both uh, political parties. A blue dog Democrat is one who views himself as being in the middle of the partisan spectrum as an advocate for fiscal restraint at the federal level. How many how many fiscally restra- restraining uh, people are you seeing right now, even in the Republican circles? How many how many fiscally um, conservative people are there left on both parties? Um, so the preamble to the Blue Dog Caucus in the House describes its members as being dedicated to the financial stability and national security of the country, notwithstanding partisan political positions and personal fortune. Um, and so uh, Jim Trafficant, you know, the guys like this, uh, these people have been ran out of that side of the House to where then all you've got left is the nuts. And so – um, guys in the labor movement, okay, white guys and, and, and so forth and so on that are pro-gun and whatever, they need to go back into the hold their nose and and try to at least, uh, you know, and it's a dangerous thing to try to do right now. You're, you know, you're, there's so many evil anti-whites um, that are in the party now. Um, but that, that's what kind of kept things halfway normal for, for some years was you had this caucus of people that would, would vote conservative on fiscal matters. And so therefore, you know, the, the, the economy and so forth, it stayed, uh, at least solvent for, for a short time in the nineties and so forth. Um, now, since we're talking about anti-whiteism, let's let's get clip eight ready. 
And this is this is kind of interesting due to the fact that um, now you've even got like Mark Dice and so forth, people using this this term anti-white, okay, which, you know, um, heck, Tim Murdoch, Horace the Avenger, all these guys were talking about this years ago to, to use that term anti-white. And then finally, some years later, it's, it's broken even into big, bigger, um, let's just say, alternative media personalities and so forth. Let's go ahead and roll clip eight real quick. Okay. Well, the brand names are finally talking about it now that the systemic anti-whiteism is so obvious that it's impossible to ignore. And most people are having a hard time staying silent about it because they're so disgusted with it. And, of course, us YouTubers are always a decade or so ahead of the brand name political pundits. But we do have to pat them on the back and encourage them to keep doing the right thing when they finally get around to it. Ali Mistel writes, I believe, for The Nation, and he appears on MSNBC all the time, on Joy Reid's show. He's the Q-tip-looking guy, by the way. And other programs. And Ellie Mistel hates white people and has made this clear over and over and over, or at least his rhetoric suggests that he does. Oh, no, he does. <laughs> That's a fact. He wrote an article in 2021 called... <laughs> Dr. Drew is getting nervous, looking up... He doesn't want to admit the obvious elephant in the room, the systemic anti-whiteism. I am not ready to re-enter white society as a black man. As the pandemic wanes and I have to leave the safety of my whiteness-free castle, I know that racism is going to come roaring back into my daily life because he's going to have to be around the whites again. Over the past year, I have, of course, still had to interact with white people on Zoom or television, etc. But... White people aren't in my face. They're not in my face all the time. How is that any different as a material matter than what Scott Adams just said? Well, what Scott Adams said was just a preference based on an observation and crime statistics that you're not supposed to talk about. It wasn't actually hateful like the despicable rhetoric that you just read from Ellie Mystical is. Here is a black man intentionally limiting his exposure to white people who he doesn't want in his face all the time. Oh. He doesn't have to deal with their whiteness, except for when he wants to. He doesn't I guess that's our loss, right? Find being around white people safe, um, and he's not ready to re-enter white hmm. society. Well, The same white society that keeps white kids dumb, and doing so is as American as apple pie. I could think of a whole continent full of countries that he would probably enjoy much better than ours, but I can't say that because that would be <laughs> racist. Every night, MSNBC, no problem. Scott Adams, his career is done. He's canceled by everyone. And the double standard Adam speaks volumes. It certainly does, and some of us have been shouting from the rooftops about it for many years. But hey, Megan, better late than never. Remember, it was just a few months ago when Tulsi Gabbard left the Democrat Party, and in her announcement explaining why, she said in part it's because of their systemic anti-whiteism. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. Just two days ago, Matt Walsh published a video titled Anti-White Racism is Real, and just some constructive criticism, not to be picky, and this isn't an attack, but you should use the word anti-whiteism. Get it? Anti-white racism? 
anti-whiteism. The left knows how powerful labels and terminology and language is. And so everybody should start calling anti-white racism anti-whiteism. That's what it is. That's what it should be called. But strangely, Christopher Rufo, the self-proclaimed critical race theory expert, continues to refuse to use it and instead continues to call it critical race theory, which is ridiculous because it sounds like it's just a theory and 99% of critical race theory is just anti-whiteism. Of course, sadly, there's still a ton of anti-Asian racism in America, most of which is perpetuated by black people, and in the university system because they don't get accepted because of the affirmative action hires that are uh, given priority over them despite having lower grades. And that appears to be the primary concern of Christopher Rufo, whose wife is Asian, whose children are Asian, and apparently he believes that by talking about or pointing out the systemic anti-whiteism, that that's going to add fuel to white identity, which he strictly opposes, which is the idea of white people collectively identifying as an ethnic group and demanding the same rights and privileges as all of the other ethnic groups in a society. Then there's Ben Shapiro, who does finally address anti-whiteism, although he doesn't use that term, but he still couldn't help but denounce Scott Adams, the creator of the Dilbert cartoon, as being a racist. Just to rewind for a second, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, he said some racist stuff, which of course is indeed racist. What he said was in fact racist. You can fully acknowledge Scott Adams' racism and still also recognize that the media would be totally fine with Scott Adams' racism if it was directed in precise reverse at white people. In the United States, if you direct racism against black Americans, that of course is verboten, it's very bad, and you'll have your career ended. And there's a strong case that that ought to be the case because racism is bad. So Ben Shapiro approves of Scott Adams being canceled for deciding to live in a neighborhood that he feels safe in and has neighbors that don't hate him because he's white. And Scott Adams' cartoon, Dilbert, now canceled completely. His syndicator canceled him. So first it was hundreds of individual papers, and newspaper syndicates, but now the syndicator of the column itself or the cartoon itself canceled him and his book publisher he had a new book that was supposed to be coming out that's done and when his current books are out of print they're not going to reprint them they said that all of his past titles also his calendars the dilbert calendars gone it is the number one bestseller currently in the humor and comic calendars but as soon as it's out of stock they're not going to print anymore the memes that have come out of this have been very interesting to say the least Scott Adams has become a meme for noticing certain things that you're not supposed to notice or say anything about out loud. And people are even making their own Dilbert cartoons. And this is one All that right, I made. Go ahead, it now. Um, gosh, the Soviet society is so crazy. So basically, here's the rules. If you're black, like, uh, yay, you can trash anybody except Jews. If you're white, um, you can't you can't talk about anybody because you're just the devil incarnate anyway. You see. So, and if you're Jew, if you're Jews, you can really, really get away with trashing whites. That's just like their big thing. And, um, 
Yeah, and Asians, same thing. Mexicans, they can get away with trash and whites. See, it's open season on whitey, white genocide agenda. Investigation into disturbing anti-white texts circulate in the Staten Island School District, which is majority white, by the way. And they got this this uh, uh, Marion Wilson lady, black female, kind of fat. Um, and she was sending all these text messages to um, New York City Schools Chancellor David Banks and other Department of Education city personnel. And she's talking about, I need to clean up this island. White folks need to recognize this is not the boys club anymore. A strong black woman runs this bitch now, and they can either get on board or get out. If they don't get out, I'm going to take them out one by one. They're not going to know what hit them. going to be fun. And um, and she's bragging about getting rid of people and um, so forth and so on. I mean, just... And this is systemic throughout quackademia. Um, you know, it's I, I don't know where this is going to end, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to end well. Uh, every Walmart in the city of Portland being permanently shut down. I mean, a spokesperson for Walmart used very careful language to explain why these stores are being closed. The decision to close these stores was made after a careful review of their overall performance. We consider many factors, including current and projected financial performance, location, population, customer needs, and the proximity of other nearby stores when making these difficult decisions. After we decide to move forward, our focus is on our associates and their transition, which is the case here. Um, do you expect a corporate spokesperson to admit that Walmart is leaving Portland because it has become a drug-ridden, crime-infested hellhole? Um, one customer that was interviewed about the store closings addressed the real reason why Walmart is leaving. We got to resolve the shoplifting one way or another, she added, addressing the topic of retail theft at the city's location because that is simply the problem. It's got to stop. Hmm. It's insanity. I, you know, it, it's depressing that this is, you know, um, where we're at. Um, you know, and everybody saw this one, the British Secretary of Health in December 2020, Matt Hancock. We frightened the pants off everyone with the new strain. But the complication with that Brexit is t- taking the top line. When do we deploy the new variant, all this belong? You know, these people, there's so much evidence of, of conspiracy that I, I just, you know, I don't know what to say here with this. Um, another Norfolk Southern train derails in Ohio's. This was yesterday on Saturday evening in, Norfolk, in Springfield, Ohio. Another one derailed. Hasmat crews responding. You know, uh, this whoever's responsible for this sabotage, whether it is, you know, a supranational uh, group, um, hostiles, domestic enemies, you know, it whatever it is, there's too many, too much of this going on, um, you know. Uh, to be just coincidental. So 
it seems as like the entire food supply is under attack. Uh, uh, let's get clip three ready, Mr. Producer. The Our energy production is under attack. I mean, the EPA is sabotaging our own energy production. The, it's a so-called Environmental Protection Agency. Let's go ahead and roll uh, clip three. U.S. grid supplier warns of an energy shortage due to undeliverable mandates. This is from mishtalk.com. You'll also find it on Zero Hedge. And we know that these mandates uh, have absolutely no way of working. They're shutting down power generation, but they can't get this new technology working and online by their deadline, and that's by design. They want it that way. And so this um, organization, which is called PJM Interconnect, this company is one of the nation's largest competitive markets for electricity. And so they're looking at the regulatory effects of this, and they're looking at the and that's causing them to shut down what is currently online and working. And then they're saying, well, are we going to be able to replace that capacity with this new stuff that they're demanding that we use? Well, let's see what they have to say here. First of all, policies and regulations. The EPA coal combustible residuals. Uh, this regulation from the EPA set a national minimum criteria for existing, existing and new coal combustion residuals, landfills, and existing um, uh, surface impoundments. In other words, they're changing what is currently happening. And if you look at this from the standpoint of firearms, for example, if the government comes in, typically now they're you know they're going back and saying, well, if you got any uh, pistol braces or whatever, we're just going to let a regulatory agency, the ATF, ban those. Thank you, Trump, for setting that example of executive order gun control without even Congress violating the Constitution. Now you can just do it by executive order, and the uh, and any bureaucracy can do it. So they'll come up with an executive order saying this is no longer allowed. And in the past, they would kind of go slow, and they would say, well, you can't buy these anymore, but we're not going to try to confiscate them for the people who already have them. No, 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 they're going to make you a felon. And that's what they're doing to energy as well. And they've been doing this to energy. This is why I want to talk about this story, to show you how they are confiscating our energy. The EPA is not the Environmental Protection Agency. The EPA has become Energy Prohibition Agency, just like the ATF. It's focused on gun prohibition. You understand? That's what they're about. And so that regulation alone led to a number of facilities that had about 2,700 megawatt capacity being shut down just for this particular group. This is not nationwide. This is just this particular group, PJW. So they had to shut down 2,700 megawatts in capacity to comply with this new rule because they had to shut down existing, working, paid-for, coal-firing operations. The next one, an EPA affluence limitation guidelines. Uh, this, um, these guidelines put out in 2020. Uh, who was president in 2020? Oh, that's right. Mr. Energy himself, Donald Trump, it was his EPA who put this out in 2020, uh, triggered the announcement by Keystone and other facilities of about 3,400 megawatts to retire their coal units by the end of 2028 
the EPA is planning to propose a rule to strengthen and possibly broaden this guideline to apply to waste, in particular water, that is discharged from steam electric generating units. In other words, they don't want water that's too hot. So this is not going to just affect uh, coal plants. This is not just going to affect natural gas plants. This will affect nuclear. This will affect everything other than wind and solar. And they'll have to shut it down. The EPA is expecting this to impact coal units by potentially requiring investments in plants, renew their discharge permits, extending the time that plants can operate if they agree to a retirement date. So we're going to um, maybe give you a little bit more time on these things without fixing them up if you agree to completely shut them down. This one particular uh, organization, PJW, said where they operate, they're going to lose 24,000 megawatts by 2030. Now, to put that in perspective, what is China doing to protect the world from this so-called emergency? Nothing. As a matter of fact, they're talking about shutting down 24,000 megawatts by 2030. Uh, China added 2 million megawatts of power generation, mostly coal plants, cheap, dirty coal plants. They added 2 million megawatts in 2020. In 2021, China added an additional 2,380,000 megawatts of power. That's what they're doing. It's just incredible how quickly they're building as we're shutting things down. And it's not just that, of course, it's Biden shutting down pipelines, shutting down with sanctions, oil, and all the rest of this stuff. I've played in the past an animated picture that went back to the 1800s and showed uh, power usage. And, of course, in the 1800s, most of the power usage um, was coming out of, um, was in in Great Britain, uh, the Industrial Revolution. Uh, You can stop it there. These freaks are crippling us. Well, China's just going balls to the wall. This is a sick. We're, they're preparing us for Holodomor, the American Holodomor. That's what it is. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Hello, I'm Dr. Leonard Horowitz. I was right 30 years ago in warning the world about threatening lab virus outbreaks, AIDS, and Ebola. I was right 20 years ago when FBI Director Robert Mueller made me a suspect in the anthrax mailings because I warned the Bureau before the CIA's biocrime and Cipro sales psyops happened. I was right about COVID-19 being an AIDS-laced mutagen plan to resurge this fall to excuse officials' profitable depopulation globalization agendas. And I was right about the only safeguards being antioxidants and holy spiritual sustenance. 
Vitamin C, D, zinc, chlorophyll, oxygen, and oxysilver especially transmits the frequency resonance to neutralize the expanded function bioweapon. Oxysilver is a double superconductor of the healing power of love. It is the first nutraceutical invented to amplify prayer power and the faithful loving intention of your heart. Buy, try, and stockpile oxysilver through HealthyWorldStore.com. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit RepublicBroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.